Hello Poppets, it's Sax here and you are listening to my sometimes rowdy and always useful podcast, Shit's Getting Real. A show about all things growth, mindset, health, wellness and my most favourite of all, chit chats with the girls. Now look, we are all in search of a direction into the evolution of our higher selves. And sometimes what we don't realize is the highest intention you can possibly have is to just have some fun. So I am here to share it all with you. Sit back, lay down or jump up, whatever you feel like doing today and let yourself experience, evolve and have a whole lot of fun. Hello and welcome back to another episode. I am super excited to get into this chat today, but before we start, I do want to give a little trigger warning as we are going to be diving into eating disorders, getting over eating disorders and what that process looks like. So please do be aware that we do get into some detail in that within this episode and I hope you guys love it and I hope you enjoy it. And remember that if you're in this season of your life right now, or if it's a season of your past, you are loved and I love you. And there are so many people in this world that love you and you are worthy of so much more than labeling yourself by this disorder. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and make sure to go all the way to the end to hear all of the wisdom that comes from the beautiful, beautiful Jenna. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and massive, massive welcome to Jenna. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course, of course. I love people to introduce themselves because I know that within our world of coaching and business owners and being young entrepreneurs, we always have new things on the go. So what is it that you are doing at the moment, Jenna? What is it that you're sort of focusing on right now? Yeah. God. So I'm one who doesn't put all of my eggs in one basket. I have a little bit everywhere. Um, So (laughs) I guess I have my crystal business, which I've had for two years. That's kind of how I got into the personal development game. So running my crystal business, scaling that. I've got my coaching business. So at the moment I'm running like a mastermind and I have a lot of like mini masterclasses and things like that. Um, I also do like a fortnightly sound healing event with my partner, which is really amazing. Um, And then I have quite a few other things that are coming which I don't want to spill the beans on it's really really exciting (laughs) yeah 2023 is all about me stepping into my power and January's already hasn't disappointed it's just been amazing and the the vision that I have for January alone is just out of this world um but yeah I guess pretty much everything that I do even with my crystal business the sound healing and with the coaching it's all from this like deep unconscious level And it's all just with the power of showing people their power and showing people what they're capable of and getting them to recognize where they're being incongruent and how they can pretty much shapeshift energetically in terms of the crystals, you know, emotionally through mindset with the coaching um, and then kind of ties in. Like I do everything on a mind, body, soul, spirit pretty much. And then I also do a little bit of – so it's great. Like I said, I put – I don't have all my eggs in one basket. I have things everywhere. It's great. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm so excited to be able to chat to you today because I know that the journey that got you here was um, quite a rocky one for you from what I know. And I'm sure you'll go further into it today, but it really is such a massive issue in society today around eating disorders and like the publication of eating disorders and things like that too. So I'm super excited to have a big honest chat with you about what that was like for you and how you sort of overcame that to having all of these incredible things that you have in your life now and having this ability to just love yourself wholeheartedly and really accept yourself in all the different forms that you are. Yay. So to start off, the first question that I ask all of my guests, um, which I want you to talk about specifically the moment for you in your journey with eating disorders and things like that. When was the moment for you when you realized like, oh my God, shit's getting real now. Like this is big. In terms of like that pivotal moment where I went, oh, something's not right or or something's changing. Yeah. When you thought like, oh shit, like something's not right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I was actually totally oblivious to having an eating disorder and I thought I was coming from like a fitness perspective of looking after myself and all of that. So the pivotal moment for me was when I got back from Bali, I'd actually had Bali belly and I got back and I saw my mum for the first time in like two weeks since I'd been at Bali and she goes to me, oh my God, what the fuck has happened to you? And I go, what are you talking about? She's like, Jenny, you're tiny. And my mom and my sister were there and they actually both took me to the doctors that day because they were like, something is not right. Like something's happening. We were totally oblivious to it being an eating disorder at that point. Yet I went to the doctors and I never weighed myself and I was 38 kilos. So that was the pivotal moment where I was like, fuck, this is actually not okay. Yeah. How old were you then? So I just turned 18. So I'd actually spent my 18th birthday over in Bali. So yeah, I'd celebrated my 18th birthday. So yeah, just, just, I think, yeah, two weeks off being 18. Yeah. Wow. And it's so crazy because I know that so many people have that pivotal moment and then they have to make the choice of, okay, am I going to continue down this road or am I going to like fight this and and get myself back to where I want to actually be? So what was it for you in that moment where you're like, okay, maybe it is an eating disorder. How did that work for you? Like what was that conversation like? Yeah. So like I found that even though that was a pivotal moment for me, it still took me a good solid amount for me to recognize actually how much I was encompassed within this eating disorder and how much I like to actually get me to the point of becoming aware of it and actually wanting to change because like my Mm -hmm. whole of doing what I was doing was to look a certain way and I had to be honest with you throughout the whole period like I never really got to where I wanted to be so it's funny like I was trying to chase feeling loved being loved looking a certain way and I never got there and so I'd say from the point where I was diagnosed in hospital to when I fully recovered, it was about a year and a half to two year period. So for a while there, dipping in, dipping out, like one foot in, one foot out kind of thing. Um, So the journey was slow, yet once I fully grasped and recognised 
how serious it actually was and how damaging it was. Like I personally had anorexia and eating disorders in general as an umbrella term. They're like one of the highest rates of deaths across all mental health diagnoses. And when I saw that statistic, I was like, holy fuck, like what am I doing to myself? Um, So it was a long period between when I got diagnosed to when I actually had recovered for me to take it seriously and change things. Yeah, interesting. And now like that you're sort of out of it and, you know, hindsight's always the best indicator. When was it that you sort of feel like it started for you? Like what age were you when you started to create different eating habits? Yeah. So I was probably like 16 and a half to 17. I'm pretty sure it was around the last year of high school for me. And like, I'm not going to name any names yet. It was a specific like influencer on in, on social media, mm-hmm. like on Instagram, like that. And I really idolized her. Like I loved her life. I love what she did. Um, she was really into fitness. And, you know, in the beginning, the intention was to like take care of myself. And prior to this, like I was eating like quote unquote junk and I wasn't taking care of myself. So in the beginning, like the intention behind it was good. And then as I progressively kept going and I started seeing the weight drop and I started to get compliments on, oh, wow, you've lost weight. It was kind of adding fuel to the fire and it just progressively got worse. And this specific influencer that I looked up to, I still even look up to her now She's actually spoken about her journey back then when I was following her and doing all the things she was doing and she was saying she had such an unhealthy relationship with food. So it was really crazy because at that point in time I'd idolised her and thought, oh, she's just living the life that I want. And then, you know, a few few years later down the track she's like, oh, my life was actually a little bit chaotic and I wasn't the happiest within myself too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing as well is people don't realize that when it comes to things like an eating disorder or having that, um, even like I know different styles of bulimia, I think it is, but it's not, it's not exactly like the purging of it, but it's like the excessive exercise after eating. And like, there's such a huge, huge variety when it comes to eating disorders, of course. Um, and even those sorts of things, it's like, you only start those behaviors because you feel so unsafe within your own body. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it was such a big learning piece for me and like mapping it back to what I first said was noticing incongruency within your life. Like I wanted to be loved and appreciated by myself and people around me, yet I was doing the polar opposite of what would actually make me feel good. Like at one point I was eating a tablespoon of oats for breakfast. Like that's so not fucking okay. And I do want to- What? That's actually wild insane right and I want to preface as well because like while I did have while I was diagnosed at a point where I did have a lot of like the side effects or the symptoms so you know over exercising eating really small amounts um laxative abuse all of those kinds of things I want to preface that some people have eating problems or eating and they have an unhealthy relationship with food and they may not necessarily be skinny or they may not necessarily be throwing up. Like it could be like an internal thing. 
Um, and I was actually having a conversation with my friend and her sister had an eating disorder. And when her parents first took her to the doctors, they said, oh, nope, she doesn't fit the criteria. Like she doesn't have this, this, this and this. And they just totally disregarded it. And then years later, that's when things got bad. And then they actually took her seriously. So I also want to preface, like, if you're listening to this conversation and anything's resonating with you or you find you have an unhealthy relationship with food, just that awareness alone is an indicator to do things differently rather than just go, oh, I'll wait till it gets bad or I'll wait till I get really skinny or, you know, yeah. just take first sign as a as an opportunity to move and do things differently because when I – I ignored it for so long and then it got to the point where I was in a hospital bed in a mental facility, 38 kilos, pretty much the lowest fucking point of my life. Yeah, yeah, which is just absolutely crazy and and it comes back down to that point of do you have to get to the lowest of the lows to realise that it's meant to be changing or would you rather change it and get to a higher high faster? Yeah, absolutely. You go. Yeah, so I like, I look back and I, while I 100% agree with you, and now from now on, now that I've gone through that, I see the importance of not going to the lowest lows and actually holding yourself and all that's happening for you and holding that higher standard. Yet I look back and I know that that was all a part of the journey to get me to where I am today. So being grateful for mm-hmm. that. And now, like, I wouldn't be here on this podcast talking about this kind of stuff if that didn't happen and spreading awareness around people with unhealthy relationships with food and eating disorders if, you know, if I didn't go through that. So I'm thankful and I love what you said about making sure that you don't have to get to your lowest lows. You know, I think like so many people, they just, they have this really great peak in life and they just wait for something bad to happen or they wait wait to go into the pit where it's like life actually gets to be great and if anything is coming up for you around this conversation or around life in general, it's an opportunity for you to go deeper into that and uncover it. Yes, a hundred percent. And I know you said like, obviously it's very different for a lot of different people. What were some of the other cues that you had when you noticed your relationship with food? Like what were obviously the teaspoon of a t- tablespoon of oats is like, that's a big indicator. <laughs> uh, but what were some of the other things? Yeah. So at that point I was eating a tablespoon of oats. Like I, I genuinely from the bottom of my heart, I did not think anything was wrong with that, which is so bizarre to me. Like I said, I didn't actually realize that I had an eating disorder. I had eating issues until I was in hospital and had a psychiatrist come and talk to me. And then I actually was like a light bulb moment. But looking back, like the signs that definitely indicated that there was an issue with it was just hyper fixating on food, like looking at the calories, looking at the fat, looking at the carbs, you know, when I was going, like my normal shopping um, trip would take me like an hour or two hours because I literally, I swear I would spend like 10 minutes on each fucking item looking and making sure that the calories was low. Um, Like I mentioned before, excessive exercising. So like I would make myself walk the stairs instead of the lift. I would make myself walk down to the shops instead of take the car. And like as well, I, I do want to touch on this because there's that fine line where people do that in a healthy way but it's all the intention behind it. And when I look back, it was the intention of like, 
it was coming from that negative place rather than a place of I'm doing this for me. And I guess kind of yeah. like in at that time, I did think it was coming from a good intention and a good place. Yet in comparison yeah. to other things I was doing, like the laxative abuse, the really small amounts, um, really small amounts of food, like it kind of at that time, I didn't realize the severity of it yet. It's like that label that, um, sorry, the analogy of you can't see the label inside of the jar. So when I actually took myself out of that jar and I was able to see it from a different perspective, I was like, fuck, that actually wasn't too healthy. Um, yeah. Overexercising was a huge one for me. Um, yeah. Laxative abuse. Yeah. All the things like really small amounts of food, and it started showing up in ways I couldn't even imagine. Like my hair was falling out. At one point I had like bald patches everywhere. I was obviously tiny. Um, I would bruise so easily. Like so many things became problems mm-hmm. as a domino effect of it. Um, and, yeah, like I guess sometimes when you see like the side effects or the symptoms of an eating disorder, they – when you first glance at them, like the over-exercising and things like that, it's hard when you're in the moment to differentiate between it being either a good intention or a bad intention. And I guess if you think it's a problem going to see someone about it, like a professional to really uncover that for you. Yeah. And I think a massive thing. Yeah. I think a massive thing as well is, is like you said, it's the intention behind it. Cause I remember when I first started in fitness, I came from a body image issue and it was like, I just wanted to be as skinny as possible. So I had that intention yeah. of, I have to make myself like literally dying by the end of every workout. I have to, I have to make sure that I'm sweating. If I'm not sweating, it's not a good workout. If I'm not burning over 500 calories, it's not a good workout. Like there was all of these different rules that made it a good workout. And it's the same when it comes to a lot of eating disorders and people that I've spoken to that were really struggling. And it got to that point of the excessive exercise in the case of burning off calories that they're not even eating. 100%. Yeah, because it's like a person who has good intentions can say, I want to be skinny, right? Who wants to lose weight? Yeah. So can a person with an eating disorder. So, yeah, absolutely agree. It's actually uncovering, um, yeah, like how do you feel if you miss a workout or how do you feel if, you know, you don't burn a certain amount of calories in your workout? Like how does that make you feel? And do you, even if you don't hit, a certain amount of calories in a workout or even if you overeat a little bit are you sitting there with shame for yourself of like why the fuck did I do that you know or slur all these mm-hmm. really names to yourself so that's like a key perspective of noticing okay is this coming from a good intention or a bad intention and is there actually something to uncover here that isn't necessarily healthy and serve my highest purpose of loving and honoring myself Yes, yes, exactly. And that's the thing is that is it a punishment or is it a, a love factor? Yeah. Like, are you doing it because you want to move your body and you want to be healthy? Or are you doing it because you hate your body and you don't want to look like the way that you do right now? And that's sort of the realization, I suppose, between people who exercise because they love exercise and their bodies are capable of exercising that much and people that aren't. Because I know people that will spend like three hours in the gym, like lifting weights, keeping in mind they have like longer rest periods and things like that. 
But personally, for me, if I spent three hours in the gym every day, I would be so exhausted. Like my body, and I have strong muscles and I'm quite athletic, but my body is not capable of doing that. And it's because of all of the other factors, like the sleep that I get, the food that I eat, like I'm definitely not eating enough protein to be working out for three hours. There's just no way. And so it's still that thing of, what is excessive to you doesn't mean it's going to be excessive to everybody. However, what is your intention behind it and how severe is the excessiveness of it? Yeah, exactly. And that's like the problem, especially with kind of like the the point for me that started this was looking outside of myself at what someone else was doing and pedestaling them is even though what they were doing may have looked like and seemed like it worked for them my body my needs are totally different and Mm -hmm. now like it was such a big learning piece to recognize that my body my mind knows what it wants and like building that self-love like I know self-love is such a taboo topic like people think it's face masks and beach walks and chats with your friends but Mm self-love honoring yourself in every moment and having giving yourself the opportunity like having having that discipline there yet also honoring yourself in that if you want to go to the if you have this kind of plan in place that you need to go to the gym but you're honestly not feeling up to it loving yourself and honoring yourself enough to go no you know what I'm just going to do like a little yoga session at home do you know what I mean and yeah that's the thing it's like that middleman of that discipline right because it's like having that space where you're not just going to kind of slack off every day and go oh no I can't be bothered yet it's it, like we said before, it, it's always coming back to the intention, doing it all for yourself yeah. and yourself and honoring yourself in every single moment, listening to your body's wants and needs. And yeah, for that whole like two year period of the eating disorder, I was just completely dishonoring every single sign that my body was giving me. And it's that whole kind of analogy of the feather, the brick, the truck, you know, like I had those. Yeah. Have you heard of that concept? Yeah, I have, but I don't think I've shared it. So definitely go into depth with it because, yeah, I don't think I've shared it on here before. So, like, you've got the feather, which is kind of like a gentle reminder of, like, hey, this isn't working, it's time to do things differently. So this could be mapped across to any area of life. And then you've got the brick, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit kind of like, harsh in your face like hey you didn't listen when we sent you the feather it's time to do things differently and then the truck is like that huge think of it like a catastrophic kind of moment or event where you're like oh fuck like why didn't I listen to the previous signs so for me like yeah neglect when my body was so overworked and tired so that was kind of like the feather The brick for me was when I literally got so tired and exhausted that I had to stop working. And then the truck for me was Mm -hmm. when I got hospitalized and when I was in a mental facility. So it's noticing like where are you choosing to neglect the feather, the brick, and then sooner or later down the track ending up getting the truck because you've chosen to neglect all of those signs. And the aim of the game here really is to notice when that feather's coming when that slight little subliminal yeah. message to you of, okay, where do I need to change with this? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it could be anything. It doesn't have to be yeah. a specific 
something even outside of you. Like it can just be a recurring thought inside of you being like, is this right? Like, or yeah. those feelings of like when your stomach starts to feel uneasy, like we don't realize how actually intuitive we are of what our body needs. And we play down these thoughts to, oh, I'm just criticizing myself or, oh, I'm just being lazy or, oh, I'm just this and, oh, I'm just that. Like, no, if your body's telling you that you need a rest, you need to rest. And if your body is telling you that you're hungry and you need more food, then you need to sort out why it is that the food that you're eating isn't sustaining you. And it's not even in a case of, not eating enough food because I know there's so many people who will eat, for example, like a takeaway and it's like after like an hour, they're then super hungry again. And it's like the reason that you're so hungry again after an hour, even though you just ate that massive big meal is because it doesn't have the nutrients that your body needs. So it's not even just about the amount that you're eating when it comes to things like hunger, but it's also about the food quality that you're eating and what you're actually fueling your body with. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, like recovering from anorexia, I was seeing like a dietitian and a nutritionist. um, And that was a really pivotal moment. Like not only reframing the relationship that I had with food but recognizing that because like I mentioned earlier like mm. prior to this sort of stuff I didn't give a fuck what I was eating or how much I was eating yet the food that I was eating wasn't serving me and wasn't making me feel my most vital healthy vibrant self so like I said mm-hmm. like I look back for that period of my life because now I have a great relationship with food and I'm super super aware of what I'm putting into my body and even just checking in like you like we said earlier like your mind your body knows what it needs what it wants like my partner he okay I'll admit we're both cookie fanatics and he has (laughs) has one night and I'm so proud of myself because he asks me, hey, babe, do you want a cookie? And I'll genuinely sit there and I'll check in with myself. And, like, if it's a no, it's a no and I'll say no. And that's coming from a place of, like, my body just doesn't need that right now. It's not that, like, my body doesn't need it because it'll make me fat or make me bloated or it'll do this. It's just genuinely because, like, I actually don't feel like it. My body doesn't feel like that. And then if I want to have a meal you know so like I said it all kind of peels back to that intention piece and you can map this across to fitness as well like what what's Mm -hmm. the intention from and does it serve you at a higher level yeah well that's the thing even like within my own training like people always ask me oh what what training schedule do you use like what split do you use what this what that and I'm like I stopped doing all of that a very long time ago and I started just being like wake up in the morning what do I feel like doing today what do I actually feel like doing and just moving in the way that felt nice because if you put so much pressure on a specific type of anything when it comes to diets, training programs, um, like like different sleep patterns even, like all of these things that, A, are hormonally changed because we're women and we have different hormones every single day, and B, are completely dependent on the rest of the, like the rest of your life, like I, cu- I couldn't go train 
legs super hard one day and then go and go for a run the next day because like that's just not good for my body that doesn't feel nice it doesn't make me feel good and I then am sore for the rest of the week whereas if I go and train legs the next day go and do a swim or something else that's more flowy and then the next day wake up and be like okay now's the day that I can go for my run my legs feel great I feel energetic like it's such a different place and you start to really learn to enjoy your workout so much more and enjoy having fun and moving your body and my body changed dramatically when I started doing that because it wasn't so stressed all the time and this is a thing that I don't think people realize when it comes to disorders, you are putting so much stress on your body constantly, whether it's stress of not sleeping, stress of not eating, stress of over-exercising, like all of these different stresses Absolutely. that you are literally damaging yourself from the inside out yeah. purely from your stress levels. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, like, so when I got taken to the doctors by my mum and my sister, they took an ECG on my heart because when you're that low in weight, what can happen is your body then starts to take energy from its vital organs. And so they wanted to wow. heart was okay. And I always forget how to pronounce this. It was bradycardia. <laughs> I think it's something like that. <laughs> I would have no idea anyway. <laughs> So it's where your heart is beating slow. And so, yeah, my heart rate down dramatically. And the pivotal moment where, like, besides seeing my mum and her saying, what the fuck has happened to you, the other pivotal moment for me was when the doctor said, like, if you would have left this for a few more weeks, there was a potential that you could have a heart attack and die because your heart rate is so wow. slow. It's not so that was probably another really pivotal moment besides my own mother saying, hey, something's fucking up here, like hearing your doctor go, yeah. okay. like, and, and seeing that in my mind the good intentions that I was doing actually wasn't doing me any good at all. And, yeah, I think recognising that you're actually doing more harm than good by dishonouring your body in every moment, like, not only the low heart rate, but like I said earlier, like my hair was falling out. I had bald patches. I was growing like abnormal hair, like on my on my neck and my face. Um, what else was going on? Like missed irregular periods. I was having constipation. Like there was so many things that was actually pulling away from what I wanted to to actually be like kind of where I wanted to be with the intention I was going at. So it was the good intention of being loved, being honoured, being being hot, being sexy in the eyes of men or just having people love me. And yet how could I get people to love me or honour me or, you know, think that I'm beautiful or sexy if I can't even do that within myself? Because I didn't love and honour myself. Yeah. I was doing. And even even I saw the weight drop and I saw my arms getting skinnier and my thigh gap getting bigger and my stomach getting flatter, I actually still hated myself and I still wanted that next thing. I was like, I want to get a little bit skinnier, yeah. a bigger thigh gap. I want my, oh, no, I've still got this little bit of skin on my arms. Yet 
recognizing that it was actually pulling me away from the whole intention that I wanted to achieve in the first place. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so what was sort of the things I know you said over the like year period between your diagnosis to where you were like, okay, I actually feel like I have a hold on this now. And I feel like that's not a part of my life anymore. You said like a lot of the times it was like one foot in and one foot out. What were some of the things that you were doing that were helping you during that time? Yeah. So when I was doing one foot in, one foot out, it was when I was seeing like a dietitian and a nutritionist and Mm -hmm. helped me with my eating and setting up a meal plan. I still like, I would see them and I would see them every week and then I would go home to the same stuff. And probably Mm -hmm. the pivotal moment that helped for me was one who I was with. So I ended up actually moving out. I was living with a partner at the time and I was still cooking my own meals. And I just finally accepted that I couldn't trust myself around what I was cooking for myself. I was just cooking myself way too small amounts. I was still super hyper fixated on food. So I'd ended up actually moving out with my nan who was cooking me all the food and you know how nans do their things. They just want to give you all the food under Mm -hmm. the sun. I placed myself in an environment that expanded me and triggered the fuck out of me. Like every time she'd put a pasta in front of me, I remember just sitting at the dinner table so scared, thinking of how many calories are in it. Like it it was just horrendous. And yet I'm so grateful doing that. And, like, that's the thing that they say in all areas of life. Put yourself into places or communities that expand you. And that was probably a pivotal moment for me in recovering that helped. Um, And same goes with my friends. Like, I actually looked around at my friends and they weren't saying very nice things about themselves either. And their relationship with food and fitness were pretty low. And so I had to kind of go MIA for a little bit to focus on myself. And when I came to a really great state of like I love my body and I love myself and I'm still learning and all of that I actually started calling my friends out and saying about themselves which kind of helped me in the process because I noticed yeah while I was recognizing when they would say these negative things I would kind of recognize the negative things I was saying about myself too and yes like I said I'm so grateful for that period because I wouldn't be where I'm at now One of the most, like, crazy things that I actually went in with the wrong intentions in the beginning. So I had got diagnosed with anorexia, and I would say maybe six to eight months later, that's when the COVID lockdowns happened. And then Mm -hmm. what happened is I wanted to work out. So I used to go to a gym, and then I, the membership, I think I still had it, but then you couldn't go because of the COVID stuff. And so I was like, okay, I need yeah. to work out my body. So then I ended up doing like Pilates and yoga. And like I would do a lot of slow yoga, a lot of slow stretches. And in there, that's when I first started doing meditation for the very first time. And I would yeah. say that was a moment in that my recovery really started to skyrocket because I started to find a new profound love for spirituality and energetics mm-hmm. And sitting in meditation and in my yoga practice allowed me to kind of uncover parts of myself that I didn't even know were there. 
And so yeah, right. really pivotal moment. And then from there, when I started getting into all the spirituality and the energetics, that's when I started into started getting into the crystals. So then that's when I started my crystal business. And then I think as I started building my crystal business, I actually realized that I had a purpose and I started taking care of myself more. So it was really interesting. Like I always say that yoga saved my life because 100% I agree it did. Even though putting myself in spaces that expanded me and seeing a nutritious a nutrition or a dietitian was great. I it's funny how the one thing that I actually went in with not the right intention of like I want to do this yoga or this pilates because I need to work out and lose weight. That was actually the pivotal thing that actually took me to the deepest parts of myself and changed my life. And that's like I ended up doing yoga studies and I love doing yoga now. And I always say to everyone, like yoga changed my life because it allowed that kind of like that mind-body connection and then the yes. mind-body-soul connection too. Because obviously a lot of, you know, spirituality and energetics is placed around yoga if you choose to kind of look into that around it. So, yeah, they were probably like my biggest things that actually had created the change and got me to that state of recovery. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And it's so true. I even just did a podcast the other day with Jess around environment and how environment is such a massive factor when it comes to your internal world and like how you feel. And it's a huge thing when you want to change, you have to change your environment. Like there has to be some sort of change even if it's just changing from a gym to go into a pilates studio instead like it can be that simple you don't have to completely uproot your life and like live somewhere completely different but it's like where are you able to create an environmental change that gives you a new outlet rather than creating new habits in the same patterns that you already have because that is hard and the hard that you have from changing is so much easier when you're in a new environment. So I love, love, love that you found your environment, especially with your nat, and that's so cute. That's honestly so blessed. <laughs> and, like, I always say this to my clients, like, I actually don't have to know anything about you. You can just tell me the top five people that you hang around and that will give me a pretty clear idea of the type of person you are and what you're into. And, like, it's that saying, like, you're a product of your environment. And when you look at it on an unconscious level, like, you're looking outside of yourselves at what people are doing. And, like, when you look at it from a psychological level too, like, our minds – and our bodies and who we are, we want to adapt to our environment. Like we yeah. have this core kind of, and I guess a lot of the psycholo- psychology world kind of maps this back to, you know, being in tribes and things like that. We want to be a part of the tribe. So we share how we mm-hmm. share and how we kind of bond is through the beliefs the attitudes all of those kinds of things the ways of thinking the behaviors the rituals that you're doing right so we kind of that's how we feel a part of the tribe so it's like I think one of the most potent times of anyone's personal development journey is gifting yourself the opportunity to look outside into your environment and go wow, holy fuck, like I've actually soaked in a lot of other people's model of the world or a lot of other people's truths or beliefs about their life and actually disregarded my own. And that's exactly what I 
yeah. mine is I looked at this influencer and I saw her her attitudes and her beliefs about her body and around her wanting to change and I took that upon my own rather than giving myself the opportunity to go, okay, what do I want my relationship with my body to look like? What do I want my relationship to with fitness and food to look like? But instead it's yeah. like a quick fix to look outwards and go, she has it all together, I'll just kind of adapt those beliefs. So I think that's one of the most potent times of anyone's personal development journey is to look outside of yourself and see your environment and see how you've chosen to kind of grasp and hold on to other people's truths and where that might not necessarily be the highest version of you. Yes, yes, exactly. And it even comes down to, I suppose, a lot of people that I know that have suffered with eating disorders in the past and anorexia and been hospitalized and even hospitalized over things of like mental illnesses of like anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts and all of those other things. Um, the support networks and the support groups that they get coming out of that are people who are in the same environment. And it's like you, you need to realize that as great as it is to have someone who understands what you're going through right now, it's also going to keep you where you are right now unless you have those outside sources that lift you up to a whole other level. And I think it's also that piece of like, being able to meet yourself where you are and asking for the help and like yes close to you that are holding you to where you are rather than helping your expansion it's that piece of like you can either let them go or have that conversation with them and be like hey this is where I'm at like I had to have a conversation with my partner at the time and we ended up breaking breaking up throughout that period because he didn't realize the severity of where I was at that time with my eating disorder. And I Mm -hmm. had a really hard conversation with him of like, Hey, this is how real it is. Like it's actually really damaging for me. And I had to give Mm -hmm. the opportunity to have that space to focus on myself. So you can either kind of give yourself that moment to really turn inwards and focus internally or also have those conversations with your friends, your family, whoever it might be in your life that's kind of still holding you down to that standard and go, hey, whatever's happening for me right now actually isn't serving me and I'd prefer if you didn't talk about it. Like I had so many people, like I always say Instagram's a highlight reel and this is such a great, you know, kind of example. Throughout my whole eating disorder period, like I would post photos of my body and this and that. When I got hospitalized and I was in a mental facility, like I didn't post a thing on Instagram about me being hospitalized. And even then when I left hospital and I was going through the recovery stage, I was still having people messaging me going, you're looking so great, you've lost so much weight. And I actually remember messaging quite a few of those people who were relatively close to me and going, hey, I'm actually really struggling right now, so I'd just prefer if you don't comment on my weight. And it was coming from this place of, yeah, taking care of myself and knowing that those comments aren't, they're not helping my evolution they weren't helping my recovery, yeah. my relationship with my body. They were actually just keeping me stuck and recognizing that people don't understand that, people don't get that and that's okay. But just opening up that conversation with them helps them better understand and learn. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like I was even listening to a podcast this morning from two personal trainers who were saying that their evolution of how they train people went from being like, oh, you're going to do food diaries and you're going to count your calories and you're going to count your macros and you're going to work out five times a week and you're going to track all of these things and you've got constant progressive overload and like all of these crazy things. And they were saying, yes, they had clients who had great results in a short period of time. However, majority of those clients weren't actually sustainable in their results and they would end up putting everything back on or they'd end up going back. And like, it was in the case of they didn't actually value their own self because all of the comments that they would then receive wasn't, wow, I'm so proud of you for training three times this week like, congratulations, that's amazing. It was like, wow, you've lost 500 grams this week. Congratulations, that's amazing. And it's like everything was based on weight. And even in appearance, like, people constantly are like, wow, you've lost so much weight. Like, why not say, wow, like, you look healthy or, like, you look happier or, like, those sorts of conversations to be able to show someone that, it's not about how much you weigh that's actually the being or existence of love and appreciation. Like I can appreciate when people smile more in pictures. I'm like, you look so smiley. Like it's great. Like I love seeing you smile. It's so nice rather than being like, Oh, your face looks thinner or, or you, you look thinner or you look this or you look that because when we base all of our appreciation for others on weight, it then shows that A, we're only appreciating ourselves based on weight and B, we're showing people that they're not able to be loved unless they are a certain yeah. weight, which just isn't true. Exactly. And I think noticing that like there's literally just a physical body and a physical vessel, yeah. we think internally. And like who you truly are and what makes you truly unique is your characteristics, your personality, what you believe in to a core, what you love to do. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, like the the uniqueness of us can be the color of our eyes or the way that our nose is shaped or our hair or the freckle that we have on our arm or all of this. Yet the true <laughs> beauty and people love us for who we are, like, truly at a deep level it's for who we not who we are externally and like who I was searching for the partners and friends back then when I was having eating disorder issues versus now if someone's just wondering like is just curious about the way that I look externally I'm honestly not interested like I set the standards high for the people they love me for who I am internally rather than my body shape or how big my boobs are, or how big my tits are, or like, you know, all of this really ridiculous. It actually, it just, it doesn't even occur to me now. And it's that polarity of like two years ago, that being the whole center of my world is what I looked like externally. Whereas now, like, especially in the mindset world, being a coach and, or, you know, even being a yoga teacher, even I think sometimes yoga can get the rap of, being a whole kind of like still a workout kind of thing yoga to me and I'm a true yoga teacher maps across yoga to the spiritual evolution and the mind mind's Mm -hmm. evolution so it's funny the polarity that I've gone through of like 
focusing so much on the external, whereas now my evolution and my growth and opportunities to give myself reflection of ways that I can be better has everything to do with internally. It's got nothing to do external. And I know the more I take care of myself internally in terms of eating well, exercising, exercising in a way that feels good, it actually is a domino effect of the way that I look externally. Like I've never felt so great about myself and so confident and comfortable in my body until I started to honor myself internally. Yes, that's exactly the same as me. And that's the thing. I always say the body's never the problem. It's the mind that you need to change. And it's the mindset behind how you look at your body specifically and how you look at different areas of loving your body. Because like you said, self-care isn't just face masks and baths. It's about how you live in every single moment and how are you showing up for your highest self in every single moment too. So I love that so much. And just to finish off, what are some of the sort of things that you notice that you really do now in your day-to-day life that really solidify that self-love for you and that you, when maybe you were back in that space, you could have never, ever imagined your life being like this now? What's that evolution like? Meeting myself where I'm at in every day like checking in in every single moment and going, is this supporting the highest version of me right now? Like every single thing that I'm doing, every sip of water that I take, every meal that I eat. But it also even comes down to like who I'm spending my time with, what time I'm going to bed, you know, what do I do first thing when I wake up in the morning? Like it doesn't just have to be situated around food and exercise. It can actually be mapped across to any action that you're taking every day something that's changed my whole entire life is actually asking myself and giving myself the opportunity to answer, is this good for me right now? Um, And I'd say another thing that's really helped me is doing more things on my own as well. And I mean, I guess that's a lot, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, yet I'm kind of in the middle 50-50 and doing things on my own has given me a space of reflection to still continue to uncover parts of myself to work on that isn't necessarily congruent with the highest version of me that I have planned for myself to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's massive because I think when you do start to spend time by yourself as well, not only are you uncovering the different parts within you or the different beliefs within you that you would not like to have anymore you also start to realize all of the great things that you have and all of the great things that are around you in life like I was on um, a mastermind call yesterday and one of the tasks was to just go and sit in nature for five minutes without any technology without like closing your eyes without doing breathing exercises like just sit And just actually notice what's going on around you. Like notice how many lines are in the leaf on the floor. Notice how many bits of grass are around you. Notice how the wind feels on your body. Like noticing all of these magical things that we just seem to forget in our day-to-day life. And it comes down to the same of ourselves, like so much now, like I was at the beach even yesterday and the sun was like coming off of the water and then like bouncing off of my skin. And I was like, 
wow, I fucking love these freckles on my arms. Like, when did they get here? Like, I they've just grown so much and I love, love, love them so goddamn much. Or like really noticing all of the different areas of yourself yeah. externally and internally at the same time to cultivate more love so that it's not just a oh, I love the way I look in the mirror. It's like, no, like these tiny little particles of skin protect my, like protect my organs. Like this whole thing is me. Like that is freaking cool. Yeah. Coming back to the simplistics. And I think when people think of things they need to be grateful for, they think about the materialistic things like their car or the roof over their head or having food on their plate. Yet like you would not be alive if it weren't for you. You wouldn't even be able to have all the things if it wasn't for you. So, and this is why, like, the root of all of the work that I do with people, whether it be the crystals, the yoga, the coaching, whatever it is, the whole basis of it all is to create a system within where it's so rooted in confidence and feeling stable no matter what stage you're going through. And it comes back to the simplicity of you. And recognizing where you're at and knowing that you can turn inwards into this internal compass and use that as the clarity giver, the decision maker thing that you've done. So, yeah, if I would ever give a piece of advice to anybody about their personal evolution is just to turn inwards every single day and every single moment because your mind, your body knows all of the answers and just trust in Mm -hmm. yourself. I love that. I love that so much. And thank you again so much for coming on and sharing a little bit more about your story and your journey and giving so much inspiration and hope to anyone who is maybe in the thick of it at the moment or people that can relate and really want to step into their next evolution of self now that they're past that disordered eating and they're they're getting through that. So I'm really, really appreciative of you coming on and sharing with us today. I will tag you in the comments and stuff so you guys will be able to go and check out Jenna on Instagram. It's the best place to contact you. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yay. Thank you so much. And if anyone does have any questions, if they want to share a little bit more about their own story, or if they want to question a little bit about what the next step is for them and where they're at, please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to either Jenna or myself. We'd be happy to help you. Or if you just need someone to listen, um, just listen to where it is that you're at right now and how we can best support you in your journey to your next level self. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's so great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Pleasure. I love it. Of course. Biggest love for all of you who got to the end of that episode. If you loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review and share with your friends, share with people. Let's get the word out there. Let's really help people who are only going through eating disorders, but maybe just got through one who need that support, who need to know that they're not alone because you are so loved and you are never, ever, ever alone. I love you guys so much and I'll see you next week. Bye.